0: Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tatsun Akagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Cody Fournier. She's a professional talent development and growth strategist for the construction industry. So, Cody, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So looking at your education background, I get the sense that early on you knew construction was something you wanted to do.
1: (laughs) I kind of discovered it. At the tail end of my freshman year at Michigan State. I really did not know what I was going to do when I first got to Michigan State, but I ran across a fortuitous publication Back in the day, and we're talking about 30 years ago, Michigan State published like a catalog, if you will, it looked like a magazine, and it had all the majors that you could choose from at Michigan State, which is a huge number because it's a very large public university. But at the back of the catalog, it ranked them in the order of highest starting salary right out of school. And... And if my memory serves correctly, number one was chemical engineering and number two was construction management. And I was like, what is that? And so I looked it up and I became intrigued because it's like half of the classes were associated with the College of Business. Half of the classes were associated with STEM oriented things. So it was a huge variety. And I thought, well, it won't be boring. Let me try it, see how it feels. And if indeed I can be good at it and it makes good money, then that was kind of enough for me. So it was more like a decision from my head versus my heart. But my heart soon followed. As the years of my career progressed, my heart followed
0: Mm, Makes sense. Now, the construction industry is not the same as it was today. What was your experience in getting going?
1: Yes, you're right. I have noticed a lot of changes myself. So I graduated with my construction management degree in 1991. And I started as a field engineer with Turner construction, hired out of Detroit, immediately transferred to Miami. And there were very few women in the professional ranks within Turner worldwide. There were very few. I'm sure I was one of a handful, but we're so positive. I was just very blessed to be surrounded by a group of people who were very open to mentoring me, were very open to helping me giving me chances when I was so green and had no experience and I was armed with nothing but my construction management degree and my pulse and, uh, Minton box boots, which I highly do not recommend you show up on a job site with mint and box boots. But I just was very blessed to be surrounded by a lot of people who were willing to help me. And I think because so many people helped me in my career, that is why now in the later stages of my career, I am constantly looking for ways to pay my success forward.
0: Wow. As part of your mentoring, what is the most sort of memorable advice you got in the early days?
1: Oh, that's an easy question for me to answer. First of all, I would say that one of the biggest blessings that happened to me when I was young is that there were a lot of people around me that were instilling the importance of actual field experience. And so this is something that I carry a torch for now. I would say I carry more than a torch. I would say I carry a very loud megaphone. And I scream this from every mountaintop that I can, that there is just no substitute for real field experience in the construction industry. There's just no substitute, first of all. You kind of can't get enough. And the more you do it when you're young, the better it will you know, have like an ROI to your career later on. And then also I would say along that same line, another piece of really important advice that was given to me when I was young and now I give it to others is to distinguish the difference between the trailer and the field. So when I say it's really important to get actual field experience in the construction industry, the cute way I like to say it is the trailer ain't the field. So I really want to drive that home because if you ask a lot of people that come into the construction management industry, they will say they have the field experience. What they really mean is they have trailer experience. And I carry a torch for the importance of staying as long as you can in roles that are truly field driven, like being a field engineer, an assistant superintendent, superintendent, that sort of thing, where your primary responsibilities are subcontractor coordination, safety, quality control, and everything that is happening outside the trailer, not the administration of paperwork inside the trailer. So that piece of wisdom was really drilled into me during my first four or five years. And I'm extremely grateful to have been given that advice because that has made a huge difference in my career.
0: And then you, I think you went very shortly after this experience towards the owner side. Tell me about that.
1: I did. Probably one of the biggest themes of my career if somebody were to, to study it, you know, as a case as a case study, the biggest theme that would stand out is well-roundedness. So, I was very intentional in my desire to become well-rounded in the industry and wear many different hats. So, after about 5 years in Turner's world, where I did a large variety of things from field engineer to assistant superintendent to cost engineering, back to assistant superintendent, estimating back to assistant superintendent, that sort of bouncing around and getting well rounded. Then I left general contracting and I went to the owner side of the equation, became national manager of construction for Blockbuster Video back when Blockbuster was a thing, (laughs) back when Blockbuster was on every corner. And that was a huge exercise and well-known to this for me, because not only was I switching from the general contractor side of things to the owner's side of things, but as you can imagine, during my tenure with Turner, the average project that I touched was probably $25 million, and that's 30 years ago versus going over to Blockbuster Video where the average project was maybe a $350,000 TI job, but we were opening somewhere in North America every 14 hours. So it was the pace of the development that added to my well-roundedness. And then after my tenure with Blockbuster Video, I went back to general contracting But again, I became more well-rounded in that decision because instead of working for a big global company like Turner, I went to work for a very prestigious regional contractor in Florida that did nothing but 100% negotiated design, build, and integrated project delivery projects in South Florida. So that was another exercise in well-roundedness. And then even more so, When I joined that company, I was vice president of business development. So I was switching from an operational capacity to a business development capacity. So in all of those kind of first 20 years of my career, I was intentionally trying different things and wearing many different hats.
0: Mm. As you were transitioning through roles, did you acquire new mentors? Like, how are you adjusting? Did some of that stuff come naturally?
1: I was, again, very lucky to have had good people who trained me and taught me and were patient when I needed to learn. So probably the biggest transition that I had to make was switching from operations to business development. So when Miller Construction Company hired me to be vice president of business development back in the day, I remember having conversations saying with them, are you sure? Have you looked at my resume? I have no business development experience at all. I am pure operations. But they were very convinced that I had the right personality, the right potential talents, the right interest level, the right ability to communicate with influence, that they were convinced that if I shadowed them, the owners of the company, if I shadowed them for a period of time, that I could learn. And by the way, how lucky was that? Because when I look back at my career, I believe that particular role was the most serendipitous thing that ever happened in my career. Because picture this, Tats, if you are going to learn how to do business development for a general contracting firm, can you imagine a better scenario than doing it in one where they don't get anything at And all you are doing is learning how to negotiate design build or quasi-design build or some sort of construction management at risk contract. That is the best possible environment, which is now why one of the things that I do is help train and teach business development executives for general contractors because I was so spoiled to learn in that kind of environment. So to answer your question, I really... That's why gratitude, it runs through my veins in so much of my career, because I really was lucky to be in situations where people taught me things that ended up becoming extremely valuable to my career. And now I make an effort to teach them to others.
0: Yeah. So, you know, what, what did you learn about business development being so close to the decision makers?
1: What I learned is interesting enough is that business development has so, for construction companies, has so very little to do with construction. And it's like the irony of swallowing that pill. It's like I realized by watching, again, shadowing these owners of this company who had this highly successful business model of, of negotiated work, I learned that they weren't hiring us because we were necessarily tremendously better at construction management skills and behaviors than the next company. It was really more of the ability to manage the experience that the clients were having. So that's one of the big things that I also carry a torch for in all of my professional development trainings and consultation. Remember how I said earlier that one of the things I carry a torch for is the the field, and you should get a lot of field experience? Another thing that I carry a torch for that came from my experience in business development is to recognize that because the industry is past its competitive tipping point, because almost all major general contractors have legitimate apples-to-apples competitors who can claim the same qualifications as everyone else can claim, you are really forced to differentiate yourself in other ways. And one of the most successful ways that the company I worked for differentiated itself is they could sell themselves as experienced managers over construction managers. If you follow what I'm saying, it was yeah. more like there was a there was a talent level: the project executives, the superintendents, the project managers, the people that were touching the clients on a regular basis, from estimating to pre-con to operations. They were extremely good at managing the client experience. So now, again, that is something that I work on helping others in the industry to understand that, ironically, the critical path from good to great, if you will, in the construction industry has no longer anything to do with construction because everyone can do it. Yeah. So it's really now more about the managing the experiences that your clients are having, which creates a result that you want for them to come back to you and hire you again, or become a raving fan and refer you to other people. So those Go are that's an example of one of the chunks of wisdom that I learned the first time I ever wore a business development hat.
0: Yeah. So let me let me sort of summarize to see if I have you correct the average, you know, deliverable skill level and all construct major construction sort of companies are comparable. Therefore, where the emphasis is, is where the customer touch points are, make sure the proper people, the proper training, you know, the proper communication is happening there. Even if you're, you know, you're all on average the same, that's what they remember is the interactions. So there's an extra bit of emphasis put on that.
1: I believe so. I've seen be hugely successful as a differentiator. One of the quotes that I like to use when I do this type of training is from Maya Angelou, that people will forget what you've said, they will forget what you've done, but they don't forget how you make them feel. And that quote has a lot to do with successful construction managers. Like, Who knew that you know the intersection of Maya Angelou and construction management, you'd find such gold there? But it has truly been my experience that the, it's not necessarily the people who know the most about construction that do well. It's the people who have the, the interpersonal skills and the empathy and the compassion to hold clients' hands through what. It's often an extremely stressful, extremely traumatic experience. So the more you can empathize with what it is like to be the client and and service their emotional needs, um, the better. So I teach classes and I do training around that subject because I have seen it be a differentiator. Of course, there are other differentiators beyond that. But the point is, construction companies, and then therefore all of us who work for those construction companies, we can no longer sell ourselves the same way, meaning we can't just say, well, our 30-second elevator pitch can no longer be We deliver quality construction projects on time and on budget. Here's our testimonials from projects just like yours. How do we do it? We have the best people. Okay, every contractor will say that exact same thing. And here's the rub. It will be true it's not even it's true most companies have direct apples to apples competitors so you really are left asking the question what else you got which by the way is chapter one of my book yeah 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 what else you got because everybody else has those exact same qualifications so you have to start thinking about what else it is you can sell
0: yeah and then you you did some entrepreneurial stuff in your life was that sort of influence present in your family or close friends or what decided you to do entrepreneurship?
1: Great question. First of all, no, I did not have entrepreneurs in my family. My father is a renowned aerospace engineer. My mom was a math teacher. So no, they were not entrepreneurs, but I was eased into comfort in the entrepreneurial world by a pretty cool story. It's worth telling. So when I was working for Miller Construction Company, the the company I was referring to with the phenomenal reputation of getting all that negotiated work, I had my my first entrepreneurial experience working there that was really an intrapreneurial experience. So while I was there, I was one of a couple of people who were allowed to take out a loan and buy a small percentage of the company. So for a period of time, I purchased and owned 3.5% of the company. And that was like baby stepping into the risk and the ownership position. And I served on the board of directors and I then therefore was privy to all information, et cetera. So it was like practicing being a business owner but just taking a smaller amount of risk. But nonetheless, still taking huge risk. I mean, the loan to buy my shares of the company was three times my mortgage of my house. So it, it was, for me at the time, still significant risk. So I would say that my first entrepreneurial experience was an intrapreneurial experience. And I highly recommend that because it was a way of, um, instead of diving into the deep end, I got to dip my toe into the shallow end and experience what it was like with a whole team of supporting true entrepreneurs surrounding me and teaching me. So that was my first step. And then after that, my first actual entrepreneurial experience was I went into a business partnership with one of our clients. And we started an owner's rep consulting firm that was focused 100% on capital improvement projects for healthcare work in the state of Florida. And so I did that for several years. And that was my first true entrepreneurial experience. And then eventually, after doing that successfully for several years and getting comfortable in the role of entrepreneur, then I started thinking about, well, where do my passions and interests actually lie? And I came up with a crazy idea that I was crazy enough to even try And I decided I'm going to work on the industry instead of in it. And I made this psychological shift and I've never shifted back. So I'm still in the work on the industry versus in it. And I was crazy enough to come up with a dot com idea in 2008, which I would not recommend to anyone. That's just (laughs) dumbass, you know, in hindsight. But I was crazy enough, and I was ignorant enough, and I was passionate enough to try, and boy did I earn what I would consider several honorary PhDs <laughs> in the experience for tenacity and thick skin and oh my goodness, just a grit. Uh, don't give up. No matter what, find a way, get everybody's money back, (laughs) land on your feet. And so, yeah, so I actually was one of the, I was on the bleeding edge of construction technology and took a chance and created a construction technology company that was focused on helping contractors to market their qualifications online. And it was eventually successfully acquired by bluebook.com, which you may know is now owned by Dodge. Yeah. So that technology is still live and existent on the Dodge construction network that, that owns the bluebook.com. Huh? So that was just an incredible experience. And it, and it introduced me again to like just more well roundedness, more hats that I've worn in the industry, which now include you know capital campaign execution raising millions of dollars in funding and you know just doing all kinds of things that if you would have asked me when I was a field engineer at Turner Construction back in 1991 that I would ever be doing anything like that I just could never have foreseen that type of serendipitous twists and turns
0: yeah and where are you now what are you doing
1: so since then, one of the wonderful things that happens when your company gets acquired <laughs> is sometimes you can then literally finance yourself a break to stop and think about what do I really want to do next? And I I took some time. I used it to become introspective and ask myself, what do I really want to do? As I kind of like re-entered myself as Cody Formier 2.0. And I decided to take my consultancy and laser focus on the things I care about the most. And that is really the intersection of professional talent development for construction managers, and business development for construction companies. So those two things I'm laser focused on now, and I love it. I love it. So it has really been a good decision for me. And Along the path of making that decision, a lot of it was as a result of the rewarding experiences I had when I published my book on that subject. So I published several years ago, I published a book called Inside Construction's Most Valuable Players. And it was my attempt to create like a must read, tell it like it is roadmap to advance your career in the construction management industry and dramatically increase your chances of success if and when you make it to the executive ranks. And the success of that book and all the feedback that I've received from thousands of people that have read it around the country, that fueled my decision to laser focus in that area because I could see that I was having an impact and it was making a difference in people's lives. And out of all the things that I've been blessed to do in my career, it's interesting that the publication of that book and all of the keynote speeches and showcases I've spoken at, conferences I've led, all of that, it's interesting how it all came from a passion pet project on the side that nobody paid me to do right? It was just something I chose to do because I wanted to help. I wanted to create a book. I wanted to create a roadmap that I wish I would have had, that I wish somebody had given me. That was my whole reasoning for writing the book. And it's amazing how from that, I now sit where I am today talking to you and committed for the rest of my career To paying my success forward and helping other people in the industry to have accelerated unusually successful careers and giving a bunch of strategies and insights on how they can do it. So that's where my journey ended up.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you've shared many things in the course of our discussion, but I mean, what are some other pieces of advice that you find you commonly give to people?
1: I would say for sure, we hinted a little bit at this already, but let me make sure I put a more clarifying point on it. One of the biggest pieces of advice I give when I can sense that I am talking to somebody who has very high potential in the industry, one of the things I do is get them to understand that business development skills will ultimately trump construction management skills. So if you And that's a little bit counterintuitive because certainly when you're growing up in the ranks, whether you grew up in the trades or you went to construction management school and learned all about how to be a project manager, nowhere along the way do you get taught about the business management side of things or the importance of business development. So I always try to shine a light on that issue and help people to understand that if you see yourself as a potential leader in the construction company you work for, or you have entrepreneurial passions and desires to run your own company someday, you need to start understanding and embracing right away that the most important thing to learn is how to develop growth and profitable client base. And I try to explain to everyone, this is why one of the classes that I teach is called Getting the Work is Harder Than Executing It. Because that is very, very difficult, very counterintuitive, and a little bit shocking for some people to hear. So, the younger they are, the quicker you can put that seed in their head to understand that at the end of the day, you will be most valuable to the construction company that you work for if you can become a seller doer and if you become somebody who can influence revenue generation. If you can make it rain within the company you work for, you're golden in any economic cycle.
0: There you go. Is there anything that uh, I did not ask you, but uh, you wanted to share before we wrap this up?
1: Oh well, maybe I'll just say this: one of the things that's I think an important message for anybody that's listening—that's like, say, in their first five years, the construction industry. What's important for you to know is that you have come into the construction industry at a very unique time. And I think it's important for you to know and understand the unique nature that you've come into. So what's unique about it is that there's so many jobs and you're so in demand Okay, so pretty much all you have to have right now to get a start in a construction company is maybe you have a construction management degree, maybe that's not even required. You have a pulse and a willingness to work, and there's probably a job for you. But it's really important for these young people where that's the only thing they've experienced is being in high demand, right? And companies kind of fawning all over, competing to get your attention and for you to come work for them. It's important for you to understand that eventually there will be an economic swing. The pendulum will swing the other way. This is the nature of our industry. If you've been around long enough, you will see these economic swings. It's just that young people today haven't experienced one of those yet. So the reason I take the time to explain that to people is because the sooner the better, you start thinking that, wow, at some point in time, I will have to differentiate myself against my competitor, against my peers. It doesn't feel like you need to do it right now, but I want to like grab people and say, trust me when I tell you, start developing your differentiators from the guy sitting next to you. Because when the economy shifts and someday it will, then you may find yourself in a situation where you are literally in competition with your fellow co- with your colleagues to keep the job that you have <laughs> and you definitely will be in competition with everyone around you for the re- for the reducing amount of promotion opportunities that are above you so It's something to think about, right? Because the people that are, say, under the age of 30 right now in the construction industry have never experienced that kind of scarcity in the job market. So I say, start working on how you can differentiate yourself now and you'll thank yourself for doing it later.
0: Very good. Well, not everyone's gone through 2008, right? So (laughs) we all learn as we go along, but it's a very important message. So Cody, thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your advice and story.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me, Tats. It was a pleasure and an honor to be here.
0: Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks for video of today's podcast hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes
1: this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suite